What is going on, everybody? Yes. It's Monday. Monday. Middle of Monday. August. Madness. Dog days of summer. Alright, so how long, bro? How long until FIBA real games start? Because we've been watching um friendly matches between everybody, man. Everybody. So when do they start mattering? Is it like twenty something? Twenty something, man. So What's we'll up, say we'll say ten days away. Yeah, man, we're getting close. I mean, getting we're getting close. really close. How do you? Uh, did you see anything about Josh Giddy's game? Just, just that this our morning? brother texted us and said, "Should have checked it out." George, Jared, it's just so it's so oh, early guys. in the morning. You know what I'm saying? So like for me, it's so hard to get up and get going to watch a game like that, um, especially a, a, a non like big game. And I say that with all due respect, but from what I saw and what everybody's been saying is Josh had a near triple double, you know, 14 points, 10 assists and eight rebounds. Mm-hmm. So I'm ready to check out those highlights. That's how I've been watching these 10 rebounds, games. eight assists, whatever it is. But the Some point people is, would say that's how I watch every game highlights only. I, I just, I look at it though. And it's exactly what we've been saying is that they're going to be using up, Josh into this, like, you know, role that he is in Oklahoma city. You're going to see similar numbers there. It's going to be nice. I'm excited about Australia. Mm, I'm excited, George. You say the highlights were very good. Man, if you have a link, George, throw the a link up here, and uh, we'll make sure that everybody can watch it. If you don't, don't worry about it. We'll find it later. I love that. But, I love man, that. I, I'm stoked, dude. I'm stoked for this fee, but usually it's not, um, not this exciting. You know, Usually it's kind of like, Oh well, we'll have one or two players. But. Is this the future, bro? Is this how it's going to be every year from for the from Oklahoma City's perspective? Oh yeah, I mean because Sam's not going to stop just um um getting international players. talent. Yeah, bringing players from you know different places across you know, the world. So it's like um everybody who is an investor and stuff, they always want to find where there's like unrecognized value. So from Presti's perspective, finding places where there's untapped talent, right? That's sure. how you end up with a player like Jokic or that or like Giannis. It's a you didn't go to the normal Duke, North Carolina, Kansas schools. You have to go looking at, find other places. So I'd say we're going to be chock full of international talent until international talent is overvalued, and yeah. it beca- it, then it's back to you know people are undervaluing the college system. Which it's a copycat league, so I could see that happening at some point. But sure. right now, it doesn't seem like it's anywhere close to that happening because the below-average teams still get their most of their players from college. Sure, I mean, I but I I, I look at this and I see the, the beautiful mix of college basketball players that are on our team, guys that went to the college hoops, um, played in college hoops, um, maybe from different countries like Shea and Dort. Um, but use the the American system to go and mentor. And then you look at guys that are like, you know, Poku, who, who was pretty much an unknown um, um, player. I mean, there was a couple teams that had him on the, their, their list to get. I think Dallas is one of them. But, you know, you see these guys and you're like, what could these young men turn, young men turn into? You know, and and it's so cool that we have so many that are from different countries, like Usman so, Jang, you know, Poku. I want to talk about Poku. Yeah. Because I, I get, I, I definitely dig what you're saying, but like, okay, 
So Poku, a lot of people are getting like, are we, is Sam Presti getting ready to be done with the Poku experiment? Um, now, I remember when... Man, I don't think he's done. When I'm Jokic sorry. first got to... I don't think so either. But like when Jokic first got to the Nuggets, yeah, he was for sure like two years away from being two years away, as they like to say. And they had Nurkic mm. there. And Nurkic was like good enough for me to think Jokic might not get much playing time. And it sure. was like, kind of like, where are they getting these bigs that they just are like from, you know, Europe that are just really good. And Jokic ended up obviously being a lot better than Nurkic. But yeah. in the end, I look at it like, how long did it take for Jokic to actually demonstrate that he was a better player than Nurkic? It wasn't right away. Mm-hmm. It might have taken three years for um, the Nuggets to decide, okay, we're ready to trade Nurkic, I think to the Blazers, right? Yeah. To make sure that um, Jokic gets his opportunity without any any interruption. Sure. But it wasn't like right away that he was obviously going to be a better player to the fans who only watch the games. Like I'm, I'm sure he was demonstrating in practice that Nurkic better look out. Sure. But um, yeah, Nurkic was very good. And it seemed like, so I look at it with, um, you know, back to Poku, like, you can't look at a player who came into the league as the youngest player in the league and be like, okay, you know, we're about to give him up on him three years in. Like, you don't know what you're going to get from this guy. Really? Yeah. And you don't even get a glimpse until about 24. I, I, I kind of agree with you on that, man. Like I, I, he's one of those guys that it's like a delayed uh, uh, gratification situation. Right. You know, like um, no hand situation. You know what I'm saying? Um. So for me, I, that's why I look at Poku is like, even if it costs us, you know, $10 million a year to keep them, I, you, I just have a hard time walking away from the Poku experience because um, I, I still go back to um, when Poku got injured last year, right? And I, I wrote uh, Poku's dad on social media and I was just like, I appreciate what your son's doing. You know, he's going to be back. He'd be better than ever. He'd be stronger, be ready to go. And this summer, man, everything I was seeing, I mean, he looked really good until he had his injury. And that's where I went back to is like, is this one of those situations where it's going to turn into one of those, if Poku had stayed healthy, he could have been, right? But the reality is, is that that's where being in the right organization matters. Because in the beginning of the year, if Poku only gets 10, 12, 13 minutes a game, as he's getting used to everything and as he's getting back in shape and everything, that's fine. Because, you know, he's coming up in his contract year. And, and I'll be honest with you, there's going to be few teams that are going to be willing to roll the dice, you know, to bring Poku on for 7 to $10 million a year. And, and with that being said, is that that's why the Oklahoma City Thunder, I think it's, it's crucial that we keep him. Because it, you're right, 24 is going to be his moment where we're like, okay, this is where his peak's going to be. But if you think about that, 24 puts him at, what, seven years in the league? Right. <laughs> it's, come on, man. The right. guy's going to have so much experience. It's going to be filthy. Now, I, I looked it up. Like, as far as I can tell, Jokic, I'm, I misunderstood how quickly he was good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at, let's see, by year three, he was putting up 18 and 10, I think. Yeah. So year three um, wasn't year three like right around the time that Russ just like 
put a dagger in his heart? Uh, probably 1718. Because I, I remember being in Denver around the time that he was like in, and living in Denver. I lived in Denver for two years and that would I have been. I think 1617 was the year that rested that. And that. Okay. So that would have been around 16, 10, and 5. Yeah, which I mean, right. so I, I'm those are incredible Denver, numbers. Rookie year then. You got to look at a second year player doing that. Um, but. So Poku's by no means on the same trajectory, but no, with that no, no. said, like George is saying, right before he went down, um, he looked amazing. I'm sorry, Jared said that. And he, that's what I want to say. Like, it's not about, it doesn't come down to, for me, um, like, what tra- was he following Jokic's trajectory? Just yeah, if you look at his own trajectory, yeah. and you say, mid of, of, or beginning of, third year he was a really integral part of the team he played sure. really well until injury so then you extrapolate and say like give him three more years where will he sure. be okay like and by then he's still a year away from like really entering that early early onset prime like not even close to like he's still three year, years away so from entering you're, traditional prime you're saying you're saying and, and this is where i'm agreeing with you on this is that we are set on our big big men for the future because if you look at chet you look at Poku, mm-hmm. you look at Jay Will, you look at JRE. Uh, we've got some other guys that can switch to the big men if we need them to be. Um, but our big men for the future are set. Because if we're going to keep Poku, you know what I'm saying? That puts us a nice round number for the big men guaranteed to play that power forward center position and just run her around. Because all right, and I'll, hey, I'll flip it back to you, bro. All right. Our guards are set too. All right. I, you know what? Fuck all that, man. Um, we had one of the guys in the comment section bring up something, and uh, let's just bring it up. Our team is set, bro. We're not right. taking. Let's on just take talent. this away. Let's take away out, off our team. Let's take away off our, out of our team right here. Let's take do this. We're gonna we're gonna flip some shit right here. Ready here? Let's take Shea off our team. Okay. Let's take J Dub off our team. All right. Dort off our team. Um, J Dub off our team. Giddy and Chet, Chet or Giddy. I'm sorry, and Giddy. Yeah, yeah. Giddy and Chet. Giddy and you Chet. said J Dub twice. All right, J Dub twice. Sorry, that hurts me twice as bad. All right, All right. drop the drop, drop the starting the, five. Starting five. All right, where are we at? All right, so let's let's let's, let's, just, let's take let's in comparison go through the guys that we always mention as being our key bench players, which they're always about seven. All right, right. So we go Kenny Hustle, Poku. We're yep. talking about um, J Will. Jay Will. I think you have to throw in Isaiah Joe. Yup. Talking about um, Andrew Wiggins. Aaron. Aaron Wiggins. Every time. Every <laughs> Fuck you, Andrew. <laughs> I guess VO is in that group right now. For now, you know, I don't know who, if he'll stick around, but um, who else, bro? bro? This is where it gets crazy. Ready for this, man? Yeah. All right. Mischitz. Mischitz. There we go. Trey Mann. Trey Mann. Okay. Uh, Usman Jang. Jang. Case and Wallace. Mm, my bad. Jack White. Okay. This is my point. Okay. We can't stop at just seven because that's how deep we are. At this point, where we have all these players right now and we've got to count them. So we have the players that we have. We got to look at this team, and we've got to say we're literally fifteen deep. 
because at, at this point, I, I like nice. Victor Oladipo, but I, I couldn't put him in our top uh, six bench players. Okay, so explain to me the starting lineup of that group that you see. All right, let's do it. Um, yeah, Poku I think, and J-Will. J-Will. Poku, okay. J-Will. So right. Poku is a great passer. He can knock down the three. He can run out and transition. He blocks a lot of shots. And Jay will leads the league in taking charges and can shoot about 40% from deep. Mitch so you, point guard. Mitch point guard. And we think he's going to have a great future, maybe be the sixth man of the year kind of candidate. Kenny Hustle. Kenny Hustle. That's four. He's like running your three kind of. Like. And then I think you have to go Usman Jang, bro. Usman Jang or Trey Mann. Usman or Jang. Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe. Uh, Isaiah Joe's got to start that. Okay, group. but then you're looking at like Off Usman Jang gives you rank, man, Usman Jang, Wiggins, Vo Bertans. Now we're ten deep. But that's what we need to be. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about it now. That was okay. So you take those guys away, and then you say, where do we stack up against the rest of the league? Now there we go. That's the next yeah, question. First thing, we're not going to get a lot of wins. If that's our team. No, We're no, come be... on, come on, come on. Let's let's do this. Let's strip away the starters for the rest of the league, then. No, because that's what. No, no, no. But let's look at it your way, and then let's look at it my way. But go ahead. What do we get for wins this year? We don't get many, right? We're probably at the twenty mark, twenty-five, fifteen to twenty. Yeah. All right. Strip away from the starters the rest of the league. Okay. Where are we at? Who has the best bench? We got to be the best bench. We got to be other than us, the most uh, points. Uh, sorry, my bad. Uh, um, Somebody in the chat helped Dave out. His head's about to explode. Best bench in the league. It does. I guess it doesn't really. I, I gotta matter. say, I gotta say, Denver. I mean, I gotta say, Denver is a pretty stealthy bench. I gotta say, you got a pretty healthy bench over with the Heat with Victor Oladipo coming off the bench. Uh, he's on our bench (laughs) well I mean saying last year I'm saying this was last year Um, how deep are the Celtics they're pretty deep they have like all right all right I got eight all right so but my point is is that I don't think there's another bench that could play with us 10 deep like we have there's just not if another bench was playing against us they'd be like seven deep and not wanting to dip into the last three So how does that affect us in a seven-game series? In a seven-game series, the amount of guys that we can put out there for game one, two, three, and four is going to be staggering. And what does that do for us? It allows our guys to be there for game, which is the, the wrap-up games, you know? Five, six, and seven. You're between big games, bro. So you're talking about managing minutes all the way through the playoffs. I think the new NBA, you have to. Hmm. I think you have to. I think you have to recognize that, that your best chance of surviving long-term with a bench like the Oklahoma City Thunder and the bench that we're going to see with some of these other teams. I think the Lakers have a decent bench. But, you know, I think that it's going to be interesting. I think you're going to have to be sitting here saying, can you go with playing your, your, your bench good minutes, going 10 deep four games into a series. 
I mean, is it going to is it going to inhibit your win total? Because here's the thing that I look at. You've got maybe three guys that are guaranteed gonna in the in the playoff situation that are guaranteed gonna get 35 plus minutes. Everybody else, it's mismatch or putting a player in that, you know, it's a dice roll. That's so, what it is. This is the year, bro. This is the year where everything gets wild, huh? It has to. I mean, like, we're, we're like, bursting at the seams with talent. We have injury too much. Free, we're, we're, we're one of the best teams in the league from top to bottom. Okay, but what we just described, though, is 15 deep. It almost seems like we can withstand um, several minor injuries and maybe even a significant injury. Like, I mean, you think yes. about the way that, like, the, um, the Memphis Grizzlies stepped up whenever Jaw went down. Sure, sure, sure. Like, I feel like this team has the, right. the capacity to... Shea got injured last year, right? Um, I remember he went down a couple times... Hit, um, right. He played 68 his, games last year. In his rookie year, he went down a couple of times. So he played 68 games uh, this year and 56 games last year. So let's just put this into perspective. If Shea plays 70 games, that means he misses 12. Right? Mm-hmm. If we have most of our majority of our players that are going to get heavy minutes, they play that 70-game mark. Why not? It's healthy. I mean, sure, some of these guys might you know slip up to the seventy-five mark, but still, that seven games missed. That's where we need to be at. If this is the case and what we're able to do for this team, that means that these these minutes and everybody's like, oh, that's too many minutes for these guys averaging for the bench players. Well, it's not. If they have to t- step up, you know, seven times to start that year. 10 times to start that year. So, again, man, I don't know, dude. It, it, this year is going to be exciting, but I do think that we have a, a huge chance to win a, a serious amount of games because of the way that we're designed. We're not designed just as a defensive team. We're not just designed as an offensive team or a bench team. We have the starters that are, that are filthy, and then we have the bench to support them. We got the defensive-minded set to bring structure on the court and our offensive mind quick ability to get up and down the court allows us to score and shoot a ton of shots. It creates issues, bro. It's an uncommon thing. And it's one of those things where I look at, I'm like, you know, when I was coaching, there were years where teams where I only had six players, like you would be like running out kids and you'd have to call timeout because everybody was on, everybody was tired and nobody could play. If you foul it out one player or God forbid two players, then you're out there with four players. Like I've, I've been in those situations as a coach before. And I look at it and I'm like, here's the polar opposite. You have 15 players who need to play. Yeah. And you're coach Dignall. Yeah. I mean. But, but here's the thing though. Every, I, I want to look at this though, is that you've got your bat- bottom seven guys. What I'm going to say bottom seven guys. Like those guys are going to be around 50 games played. It's going to be about matchup, you know, and then you're going to have your top really eight guys, seven guys that are going to be with the floater guys that are going to be playing your majority or your minutes. But there's going to be a wide open 
you know, spot to be an interpretation to what that is. And there might be some guys that play 55 games. But if you look at our bench and you look at the way that it was designed last year, it's that 50 game mark that you see that's that's highly, you know, that I circle for some of these bench guys. And, and, And that's fine. They'll earn their spot if they do better. If they don't, then that's fine. They'll get passed up. We weren't nearly as deep last year. So a lot of the depth comes from just getting healthy and the players adding a year more of experience. And then the fact that we're adding, you know, two um, top 10 picks. <laughs> that, that's actually quite a bit of things all at once. So it may not like be like, well, where's all this happening? But I, I think the things are lining up, like George is saying, for us to get a bunch of blowout wins. And, um, I can't think of many blowout wins we've had other than the ones that we'll say losses. We'll say well, blowout losses like the last few years. Man, let's, I, I love it because when George said that, it got me thinking. I'm like thinking in my brain, like how many teams are seriously going to be in the blowout? We're going to be able to blow out this year. And if you look at it, San Antonio Spurs, Houston Rockets, Portland Trails Blazers, like these teams like still defining what's going on. I don't think Utah is done. I think Utah wants to be bad for one more year. Um, I don't. I think they want to compete. Okay. All right. So let's just say Utah wants to compete. All right. Then which of these teams are dropping into the bottom? Pelicans, Minnesota, Lakers, Golden State, Clippers, Phoenix, Sacramento, Memphis, or Denver? So mm-hmm. I, this is where I, I think one of these teams are going to go straight up tank mode. If Dallas, let's just say, let's just say um, Luka gets injured, right? Dallas will be in the tank mode. Pelicans, if they decide to get rid of one or two of their players, couldn't figure out with Zion, peace out. I don't know. They're really good without Zion. So, I mean, as what long as Minnesota, if Minnesota gets one or two injuries. Like, I could see that because they're such a clusterfuck, but. I also look at them and it's like Lakers. I don't, I don't see I don't see that. All right, and Golden State. See, these guys are all old. That's why I keep getting back to is that like I look at the Lakers old and a couple injuries away. Um Golden State old, couple injuries away. Uh, Minnesota, a couple injuries away and they're old. Pelicans, semi old, couple injuries away. You know, Dallas, an injury away from sucking. So there's probably like, a, a few players on that team that would make it so they'd start making excuses as a team. Like my, my point with that being is, is that like, is there other teams that are going to go straight tank mode that we're going to be able to get a bunch of blowout wins because of them? If there's not, what if like these teams aren't going tank mode and we still get blowout wins? Like hmm. maybe not against the Warriors, but like. I don't really see Dallas's type of game plan competing with with us in that. Okay, like they've had trouble building. Like if so, uh, so you think even if it's a like a um, that bottom half of the of the playoff run, the the play in group, you think that we're going to blow those guys out of the water? Let me let me ask you a weird question, right? All right. So I've been like watching weird. like Luca's like highlights. Yeah. Once again, because I don't I, watch these fucking friendlies. All right, so it looks to me like his, like for FIBA, his team is better. 
than the Mavericks. Even though none of those team because because they know how to play with Luca. Like, here's Uh, my thing. If you have the best player in the world and you say a bunch of guys who want to do their own thing or a group of players who really are focused on playing the best team, I'm like, eh, maybe the maybe Lithuania would win more games than I hope I said that's where he's from. Right. I know I said that right. But yeah, maybe they would win more games than the Mavericks. Like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is it is it so far out of the question? I know that they're not as good, but if you can knock down threes. No, that's that's Joker. <laughs> if you can knock down threes, yeah, then Luca is going to be better. Sylv- Sylvania, Sylvania. You. There we go. I knew it was. I knew I was wrong. I like oh. anyway, but like, if you can spread the court, if you can play all together, and if you understand, like when you watch his highlights, it's like, wow, he looks like a god out there. Sure, but then it's like, is he also playing with people who understand how to? space the floor better who understand how to play with luca better okay all right you guys tell uh, us in the chat do you think that luca would play better in the nba with sylvania and they'd win more games than the mavericks i've been i've been very careful with this because i said this once a long time ago on a podcast and i can never tell you how many years ago it was but i and i got trashed for saying it i said that there was any european team any european team that's the top level could be insert Chet or insert um, Luca into that team, and they would be instantaneously better than Dallas Mavericks. All right, and I'm serious because if you look at the 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 way that these teams are designed and put together, they would morph around Luca, and that's the problem I see with Dallas is that they haven't had maybe a coach that understands how to use Luca in the proper way. But I've always felt like they have they've failed so badly at putting Miserable. a team around. Luca every single time and he's so good that he's going to get you 40 wins every single year just by playing so it's not going to take much for them to find oh if we keep Jalen Brunson on a cheap salary and we keep this player on a cheap salary and the next thing you know is we got a really good team here but they fucked it up bro like there's some things are just Houston Rockets San Antonio Spurs and the Dallas Mavericks, man. Do I need to say anything else? They're a year away from being a year away. <sighs> Just embarrassing sometimes, man. Well, the Mavericks, as soon as Luca proved that he was all NBA level from his rookie year, I was like, I just, I hope to God that they can't figure out how to build around him properly. Because... The last you thing said I it, wanted you to said see. it best, dude. You said they have to trade him to start over again in order for them to be ever be a chance to win a championship. Well, <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. But now I'm starting to believe you're right, bro. What if you could get five picks from him? You could get more, but yeah, let's just start with five. If you five get- picks and a young asset, like what we got for for um, Shay. Or, um, you know, we got Shea back and five picks. I, I think that would be very acceptable. I think they could get a young asset that's a, a top 10 pick from the um, prior year that has incredible upside for Luka and five picks. I think it would be completely doable. And the thing is, it's so stupid about that is that they did that 
they would have an actual opportunity to do some serious winning because they, a lot of their picks that they've traded to get other players are protected. So if they do end up sucking, they get to get those picks back. You go all in on middle of the playoff playing. You find yourselves in these spots and you got to find a way out of it. And for like the Lakers, there's really no good way out of it except for trade LeBron. Like if they end up being eighth seed again and like you can't get anything better than that with AD and LeBron. Okay. All right. My question is this. How much is it going to affect that LeBron James's son just had this situation on the court? Because if I'm not mistaken, this is probably going to put him out for an entire year of hoops, if not six months. If it puts you out that long, right, you're not going to get drafted the next year unless it's a second round draft pick from a team. That's doing like, hey, I'm doing this for you, LeBron. I don't know. I have well, this, this is what I'm that. saying is like this is so beyond like like everything that's happened in the last like six months of hoops, bro, makes you have to stop and wonder what the fuck's going on. Right? Damian Lillard, dude, James Harden coming out and saying that Oh my god. Um, uh Moray is or Moray. Moray. Moray is a fucking Liar, liar and i will never fucking never play for him again for an organization Bro. he worked for again this is what i'm telling you then about- he said let me say that again <laughs> daryl Morey, and dude honestly i don't mean to be like whatever but like it didn't seem like everybody there knew exactly what the fuck he was talking about it was like a kid's camp so it was just like he was saying it to the social media camera. i had to do so much research on what the fuck he was talking about you know what i found out what he was talking about he there was a trade in place with the Clippers and he pulled out of it. And he was just like, then he comes out and says, there will be no trade for James Harden. He will be playing for the Philly next year. James Harden comes out within 24 hours and drops that nice little piece of amazing journalism (laughs) from James. Fact. Write it in your books. I will never play for an organization. He doesn't say Philly, does he? And that's the key right there is because now you're going to see what happens with everything else. Is it going to be enough to be able to get Daryl out? No. Okay. If it's not, then what just happened? Because now he's not worth the trade op- um, offer that, that Clippers were offering for him because he's basically said he's not playing unless he gets traded, which doesn't always seem good for players, especially going to new teams like Damian Lillard. Showdown, baby. It is. Like, we're we're going to see. My assumption, my assumption is this. James Harden will sit out. So what happens contractually since he opted in? All right. So he has 30 days, right? The new CBA um, mentions that you have 30 days to play after sitting out. If you do not play, you are no longer allowed to sign with a new team until your last year of obligation is fulfilled. So we're going to see a new clause or a relatively new clause exercise potentially. Potentially. By Dan, Martin by is Darryl. not going to play. All right. So if he doesn't play, then he has 30 days or a trade has to be done. Here's the thing. If more they, is not like called a liar, he's not going to be like, okay, oh, but here's the thing. This is going to be A, the death of um, Daryl, right? Or B, it's going to show how good he is. Because if he can move past this, right, and trade him, right, and just say, I'm getting him out of Philly, he'll be safe. But if he doesn't, and he sits on his ass, and he doesn't do anything at all, 
then um and he says well i'm gonna make him pay right and he turns this into a pissing match in philly bro this is gonna go about as good um i i'm telling you this is gonna go horrible i mean this is gonna go like a ben simmons situation there for daryl and if that's what daryl wants to do is turn into the scapegoat there then that's fine but he knows that if he lets um james harden sit and not do anything their team is going to suck worse because when he finally does make the trade he's going to be able to get like two cents on the dollar you know and it's going to be like a couple role players instead of do you think it drives his value down like Harden's worth less now it's one year there's going to be a team that will pay for him but there's a couple teams that were probably like yeah 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 Listen, if Daryl wants to really fuck James Harden over, you know what he'll do? Hmm. Send him to Houston. I, I don't see Houston as having the assets that they need. Doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> kind of does. Like Okay, but then, then my question to you is this. Is that, like, you just sign some players. You can't trade them until December. Right? You've got a couple of young assets that because you're new players that you just brought in that are going to get bumped down to the bench, that their value is going to drop a little bit. Do you trade some of those guys before their value drops and a couple picks? Because this is the situation we're in is that like he wants out of Philly and he doesn't give a crap anymore. And I think but that's Michael. where Daryl wants him. Daryl wants him on his knees to be able to say, I don't care anymore. Just get me the crap out of the situation with you. Michael said he did it with Mello, CP3, and Russ. I, yeah, he's just he's known for being a dick. And he man. already did it once with Harden, if you think yeah, about it. Like, I know, I know. and I, But not just that, but if you think about it, or he was promised he, Harden. Was Harden out of there by the time it happened? But for Cade? Yeah, George, I bet they would love to do that, but I don't think he's going oh, like, they're giving up Cade for Harden. Um, I can't, that's the problem with Harden right now. Like, I can't think of a young up and coming player that you would want to give up for him. Yeah, dude, Zion Williamson. Like, why not start over there? Because Zion in five years could be great. Could be if he doesn't keep and, on getting injured. Harden won't be in the league in five years. So yeah, you, but, that's but, why you don't do it. All right, but, like, but who do you have on that team, though? Structure right that now, team bro? is ready to win, though. That team is it's a full of a bunch of guys that are 27 and above. You See, know, I don't buy this Zion. Like a lot of people are hating on him. They're like, "Oh, he should have played. He was doing like, like windmill dunks. He was ready to go." Like, I get what people are saying, but like, imagine him on that team. Then they they might even be a content contender. So if he says he's not ready to go because like his back isn't quite right, he's doing all the things that he should be able to do without pain, and he's and he's experiencing discomfort. I appreciate him not going to trade him out. Just be like, "Oh, we're done with him." Like. I think they, I, I, I get they it. gotta get him back. Like you gotta like double down on number one picks, not like give up because they're not right. Like it's frustrating to me because Harden and Zion, like that should not that should not be a conversation. Well, but I but here's the thing. Here's the situation that you're in. Is James Harden wants out, right? And you look across the league and you're saying what other players could be in the situation where they're like, we'll take a little bit less for an opportunity to win now. 
Because if Zion in their mind and Pelicans warped mind, right, are thinking that Zion Williamson is not going to play 50 games this next year, that doesn't help you out. If they think in their mind, they're like, man, he's, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's not going to play 50 games. Then you're looking at a situation like this where you're like, okay, well, Damian Lillard, you know, uh, James Harden. Like, you're looking for a fill-in that will be able to put you guys in a winning situation right then, right now. Because you have a good team that's 27 and above. I just don't like it when people say, like, people, I don't know, like, 72 games. I get that the NBA economic model is built on that. And it's not going to change. But it's just too many games. Like, people shouldn't be expected to play 72. And I get that 50 is too few. Because your team needs to build camaraderie. And isn't it 65 anyways that you have to play to be in? Something like this. Yeah, it's 65. So it's crazy. And, and, like, and I get nuts, it, man. And I'm, I'm happy for them, the NBA. But like, if that's going to be the, the model that they build based on the economic model, then you have to, in return, do what the Thunder have done. Number one, build extraordinary depth. you got to rest players in games on regular intervals so that they're not being pushed to 40 minutes a night. Sure. Even with overtime, right? Like you have to find ways okay. to make I sure got that a question. Yeah. You take, you take a team that's been built like this, right? The depth mm-hmm. that's been built built and it doesn't matter if it's young or not. And you insert them into the NFL, you insert them to the MLB, right? Do they get more respect because they're in a different league? Because I've seen, MLB young teams get way more respect than the Thunder have. I've seen, is or is it just because if it's a small market? Like I, this is the one thing I struggle right, with so because I let's I, talk I about all like, this. Like I people, want, I don't want to pick on our, our Thunder, our, our like Thunder fandom or anything. But like honestly, if you're looking at another team and you're like, okay, they got to the finals, they had a bunch of young players, they had great talent, they had future MVPs, and they weren't able to put it together, and then. You know, they traded a bunch of those guys away. And if this yeah. was an MLB or NFL, yeah, you would think that the team basically had the inability to get the job done. And I've, I've seen a lot of people come at us with that about the Thunder. Sure. And I understand why you would approach it that way. But as you saw the same group, this team, come up with another group of young talent that had future All-NBA players, current All-NBA players, future potential MVPs, like the the next generation of the the league, you would think, unfortunately, that the future for this team was another fire sale. That yeah. the you'd end up being like, okay, yeah, um, like the Seattle Marlins, uh, Mariners. I'm sorry, Seattle Mariners had a Rod, Ken Griffey Jr., um, pitcher Randy Johnson. Yep. They had a bunch of um, them too, right. And then it was like, they didn't get it done. And all those players ended up around the rest of the league. And so you would think maybe that this was the future for a team like the Thunder. But on the flip side of it, you'd have to like look at it and say, if they can get it done, if they can win a championship or two or three, then it really changes how you look at it. They no longer become... So at what point does it become a shock to the world that we win a championship? And what point does it become an obligation? Because uh, to me, like this team is really proving that we've got something special rolled up our sleeves. Like this isn't just a normal season that you'd get sitting back, getting used to watching. Like, well, like that's what I like. I keep saying, if we're healthy, 
and all of our players are healthy for 70 games. The majority of our, our good players are playing 70 games, right? What what can we expect? Because I, I go back to this enough where I keep saying to myself, like, I, I do think that this team is going to put out something that's going to be very impressive and scary. That people are going to be like, oh my God, what the hell just happened? Because we've seen it happen in the NFL before. We've seen it happen in baseball before where a team just is like, you know, went from, you know, uh, 70 wins to 100 wins or whatever, you know, like we've seen it happen before with young teams. So for me, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, I, I feel special about this team. And I've seen it happen in other sports where a young team flex their muscles. And we've seen it happen before in the NBA. So what makes it different from this team? Like, do we have the new up and coming young stars? Yes. Do we have a couple of players that are veterans in the league? Yes. Do we have some big men that are uh, willing to come off the bench and be very, very useful that would do it for any team in the league? Yes. Do we have some guards that are top of the line shooters? Yes. Do we have some guards that are top of the line drivers? Yes. Like, like, what are we talking now? Like, we, we, we saw uh, for, for a flick last season and 40 wins. But I just feel like this is a 50-plus win game, um, season. If that's the case, with the West being as thick as it could be, like, what are we talking now? Are we talking about everybody looking at us in, in nine months as the best team in the West? Fuck yeah, I mean, baby. And if you feel how we feel, then, yeah, we'll fuck with you guys. Put the NBA on notice. Sign up. We love you. Tell us what you think we're going to end up wanting 45 to 55. 50, 60, 60, George? Hell, yeah. Hell yes. All right, we'll see you guys soon.